We got to do a contest. Well, there is give a, a number and people can call in, and then we can tell how many people are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when somebody called and it broke the show? <laughs> I guess we weren't expecting it. So the guests today are Terenik, who I found at the Twitter handle Haveago, and then a bunch of uh, emojis are part of that. So I don't know how to say it, <laughs> and then. We have Derek and Karen from Sunset for All. It's a group trying to put together a protected bike lane on Sunset Boulevard. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. So, Taranik, do you want to tell us what you came to talk about today? Yeah, um, I had some ideas regarding how we build bike infrastructure today. So, um, I'm somewhat new to this space, uh, in this space for about two years, so I'm kind of a novice uh, with a little bit fresh pers- perspective, um, but I've kind of seen a little bit of how how it goes. Um, talk to LADOT, Metro, some officials, um, talk to some bike advocates, and um, it, uh, it it seems like bike lane building kind of has a a model that's broken. Um, and I'm I, I've been compare now thinking about it as like a set of twigs, like the proverbial twigs where. Um, you have 100 twigs, and you can break each one easily. Um, but if you put them in a bundle, they're really hard to break. And it seems like today we're in this twig model, at least in LA and the United States in general. Um, so uh, th- this twig analogy started um, d- doing a lot of work. Um, so the the first the first thought was, you know, uh, efforts are individual and not collective. So. If you want uh, a bike lane here or there, you have to ask for it from your local official. You have to organize locally. You have to um, you have to talk to your council member. You have to talk to your neighborhood uh, member. You have to um, you know talk to your neighbors, etc. It's almost like running for a, a you know it's almost like getting a f- part-time job running for an office or something, um, just for a bike lane. And uh, your individual effort might be duplicated, uh, you know, dozens of times across the city, uh, across different individuals. Um, But each of these are twigs that, you know, nimbyism or excuses like we don't have the budget for it can easily break this twig. Um, So, uh, you know, hundreds of bike lane uh, requests might be individually broken. Um, And then the second way uh, I was thinking was that um, the... The way we build bike lanes today, obviously, we know is kind of useless. Um, They're usually paint jobs. Um, I know that's what you guys want to change is a protected bike lane. Um, But usually how we do it is is paint jobs. You just slap paint on it and call it a bike lane. Um, But that really doesn't do much. It's uh, useless without, uh, first of all, it's local, so it's not connected to a network. So, you know, what's a transportation lane without a network? It's, It's kind of useless. You can ride around on it back and forth, but you're not going anywhere. Um, and the second way is it, it, it doesn't do its job well. It doesn't serve women. It doesn't serve kids. It, it only serves very comfortable, um, you know, usually male athletic folks who, can, who are used to riding on such lanes. Um, and then the kind of third way was they become, I'm, I'm, it's kind of um, hard to say this as kind of a bike advocate, but these lanes become a thorn in the side of 
a lot of people. People lose their um, parking, they lose their car lanes, um, and they get really frustrated. You know, over time, yes, we are adding bandwidth to the road, and over time, you're going to see these um, traffic reduced if we add bike lanes. But in the immediate here and now, people get frustrated. And then that trickles up to politicians who get really frustrated um, because now they have a lot of uh, bike lash, backlash, uh, and, and they just don't want to fight that fight. Um, so, and then this kind of builds to the, the last point, which uh, us as bike advocates, it's, we're fighting for something that is kind of, it's, it's like a twig in and of itself. It's kind of useless. It's, it's kind of, it doesn't work well. Uh, you're not connected. It doesn't inspire anybody. So in, there's no inspiration here. Um, we have local groups fighting for local twigs and, and they're twigs, you know, who wants to fight for a, a kind of a small twig that can easily break? It doesn't inspire anybody and it doesn't inspire non-bikers, it doesn't inspire, let's say, environmentalists or um, climate uh, advocates or uh, doctors, healthcare professionals, um, who all should be on our side. Um, but because this model is this way, um, such twig-like uh, in its nature, um, we don't build a coalition that's inspired to build something very uh, grand, interesting, um, uh, bold, um, we don't get contractors bidding for contracts to build bike highways, let's say. Um, you know, who, 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 who wants to uh, get the job for painting? That, there's no money involved in there. And we often fall into this thing of like, oh, let's be realistic. Let's ask for, you know, we know there's very little budget for bike lanes, so let's ask for as little as possible. And that gets us back into this vicious cycle of we're asking for very, very little. What if we asked for a lot? What if we asked for uh, a network of, uh, full of uh, bike highways and priority streets. Um, what if we flip the script? So those are the things I've, I've been thinking about. So this is, I forgot to mention Don, Don Ward here, because he's uh, running the board tonight. So I, for some reason, I, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you wanna, how would you like to introduce yourself, Don? Uh, my name is Don Ward. I've been riding a bicycle for a while in Los Angeles and uh, also a bike advocate like you, you folks. So, um, yeah, it's great to talk about this issue in Los Angeles. And, you know, it's the same issue, seems like, city by city across the United States. And uh, it's an interesting uh, visual to put it, you know, the, the twig, the twig model. So, yeah, it's, it's the, the, so, you know, I always back you know when when bike advocacy was kind of in its in a in a sort of a higher point at a certain point there was there was a lot of activity going on in city hall and the you know there was a proposal for the the backbone bikeway network and the LEDOT actually <laughs> what was funny is like uh my friend Alex Thompson actually introduced that and we brought it to the powers that be and we said we want this bikeway uh backbone bikeway network funny enough they had proposed that in 1980 you know and you, you can you kind of could keep going back and see where movements arose and those ideas came out and it's very obvious that that's what we need we need a full uh network and you know, there's there's ways of getting there and there is political opposition that has to be waded through. Right. So, you know, if we have enough momentum, we can present 
a grand plan and Los you know, Angelinos have to weigh in on it and accept it or not. And I think right now the political momentum might not be there is the problem. So then you get to this um, situation where you're fighting street by street, council member by council member. And, uh, you know, that, that, that plan, the, the bike plan, I think it was in 2010, it was, it was passed, right? The, the bike master plan in 2010, there was a lot of political momentum back then, and they passed it in the city council. And, you know, slowly but surely, they tried to implement it, and a lot of political opposition materialized. And it's sort of, I don't know where it is now, but you got guys like Gil Cedillo who completely killed it in his district and dismissed it as a thousand people you know in a city of four million pushing for this so that's that's the that's the quintessential problem with our situation here is how do you build up the political momentum to get a plan that bold i mean i think one of the things that makes me really excited is that with all these technology changes with e-bikes and the scooters we're now allowing people to see bike lanes aren't just for bikes and I almost wonder if we shouldn't just start calling them mobility lanes or, you know, something that's more inclusive because it is, you know, the traditional bike, sure, you're, you're sort of limited by how many people are able to bike around the city on that type of transportation. Um, certainly, you know, more people than currently do could if there was actually infrastructure for them. But I think most people don't see themselves as cyclists. And to get more people seeing themselves as people who would use these, I think, you know, the, the fact that we have these, these bikes that older people can ride, that, you know, people who have to carry a lot of stuff around or cart kids around, you know, now that we have these um, really exciting electric batteries that can, you know, you can ride all day on one charge. You know, that's, that's something we didn't have back in the 80s. So I'm hopeful that with those types of new technologies coming around that we're going to see more changes. Yeah, absolutely. And mobility is a great, that people have been switching to that language. And you know, in my opinion, the more that we see, like, uh, scooters and I guess there's even electric bikes now that you can you can rent, like jump bikes. And I see these small bikes. I forget. I don't know what they're called. but Wheels. Mm-hmm. Wheels, yeah. It's like the more that those types of devices get used, it's, you know, it's the more that they fill up the streets, the the uh, the more that there is political demand for I mean, I I don't see why we couldn't align with scooter companies and Jump and and companies like that to Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, bike advocates will be more, will be better about being more inclusive. You know, I I think there's a little bit of a disconnect right now where a lot of people who are traditional bike advocates are like, oh, you know, I don't know about these scooters. But I think we should embrace them and, and recognize them as, you know, it's bringing a whole new group of people who weren't into these type of issues you know the demographics of who you see using the scooters are are a lot different to who you see biking in LA so we should be trying to bring those people into the fold and and make sure that we're uh, you know taking advantage of of that new group of people yeah and I I always think you know the the unfortunate part about our political system is that it's run by money and so I was always one to say like hey let's find big money interests and align with them and see if we can advance our cause. So I was always looking at like, Hey, it's like developers, which are, you know, 
kind of evil people, but they do tend to uh, be progressive in terms of transportation. They're, they're, um, when they do bring buildings in, they, they do request less parking and more density and things like that that do help the cause. But now these scooter companies, I guess what, Uber owns? Um, Jump. Jump. Does Uber own Jump? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Uber owns Jump, and what does Lyft own? They just have their own sc- scooter, scooter brand. Yeah. Lime. Who's Lime own? Lime or? is uh, Google uh, Google Ventures has okay. some stake in. Yeah. Yeah, so these companies have huge amounts of resources that we could almost try to leverage. Yeah. Although that's maybe a dangerous thing, too. Although, monster that so going going off that that's that's kind of some of the thoughts that w- I, I was having it's like if we look back to cars and how cars became so ubiquitous uh, one of the reasons was the interstate highway system uh, the th- in the 30s 40s 50s um, what is little known is that car companies and oil companies came together and built a vision, uh, built, uh, and they, they even called it something, Futurama. Mm. It was like mobility of tomorrow, grand freeways, highways, sleek looking. This is, this is going to be the, you know, the, new, the new decade, the new century. They got people excited about this th- these things. Um, they obviously also pitched it as a defense thing uh, to Eisenhower, et cetera. Um, but they, they did have this vision of, we're going to crisscross the entire country with these billion dollar uh, megaliths. And we're even going to come into cities and carve out entire neighborhoods and put these things in there. And I'm not suggesting we carve out you know, neighborhoods for bikes, we don't need to. Um, but that model of getting something huge and exciting and holistic and as a system and thinking of it that way um, and getting, as you said, developers excited, contractors excited, something that will get, um, Big money, unfortunately. Um, so, so getting contractors, uh, politicians excited. You know, think if if you're a politician and you're thinking about the ribbon cutting ceremony, if there's a paint if there's a paint job on the floor, are you gonna go to that? Are you gonna do a ribbon cutting ceremony? But if it's a giant project um, that you know everybody's behind, this is the mobility of the future. Then you go and you put your face there as a politician, and you and you get people excited. And you get you you are now the visionary that. Uh, newspapers are writing about so uh, th- that's that that's kind of I feel like we should level up and especially now like you said that there are these scooter companies with big money invested we could tell them hey uh, you know y- you have 500 uh, scooters in LA you know what's cooler 50,000 mm-hmm. um, uh, your market share will explode if you uh, get people excited about something like this. Yes, we're going to, um, you know, maybe uh, car lanes are going to be taken here or there. But hey, you as a business, let's say, you're going to see way more folks coming to your business because they're on bikes. They're going to see the things in your storefront, which which has been proven like uh, 30, 40% increases in businesses that are more walkable and bikeable. Um, so really kind of leveling up the conversation, the, the thoughts uh, of advocacy, of of coalition building, of, you know, vision building. Um, you know, car companies said, we're going to take over the U.S. essentially. Um, you know, bikes are so much healthier there. They don't have the emissions, et cetera. Well, let's use their model against them and, and, and build something really exciting that everybody can be excited about. Yeah, I, I wonder how that happened, though, um, how the, the whole highway system was built um, as, as this grand big project, this paradigm shift for, for the whole country. Because uh, I feel like uh, Los Angeles has the ideas. You you have the the mobility plan. Um, 
the the plan that you were mentioning earlier um it's just it just doesn't happen um mainly because of you know you you have a system where there's no like central figure who has authority over um you know the the mayor uh doesn't really have uh you know he's not like the top of the hierarchy like he kind of shares his power with all the council districts um so it it almost seems like our political system um makes it impossible you know we're we're destined to always be fragmented because you know we have basically uh you know what is it 14 15 districts um and everyone's a mayor or everyone's a king mm -hmm. um, they have complete say over you know what happens and what doesn't happen well i'll tell you uh mayor viragosa he actually took a lot of risks and the mayor does have the power to give power to the uh general manager of the LADOT so under Viragosa, you know, who was the general manager? I or I forget his name, but he was just th it was the guy that Viragosa put in as general manager drove a Hummer. And we're like, oh, God. But he gave that guy a directive and they put he in, yeah, a couple hundred miles. But the bureaucracy miles. revolted. Right. Yeah. The bureaucracy revolted when Garcetti came in. Mm -hmm. And then they put in Saletta Reynolds, and everybody in the bike community and the walk, the mobility community celebrated her because she was allegedly very progressive on transportation. And, huh? What do you mean the bureaucracy? The bureaucracy of the LADOT. When when uh, when Garcetti came in, they they all showed up at City Council, and they were like, "This what was his name? Jaime de la Vega. That's who it was." Yeah. And they. There were guys like Brian Gallagher, who's like a senior engineer. Was they were they were all revolting and asking that this person be that Jaime de la Vega be be removed because they were they were upset. My reading of it or my understanding of it was they were upset that that uh, you know what they'd been working on for years was now changing under Viragosa, who wanted you know as many bike lanes as possible. He he really went for it at a certain point. And he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in the LADOT, and they revolted. And now you got Garcetti in there, and Garcetti didn't give Saletta Reynolds much power in terms of, like, I'm not going to back you up, you know. And it, it, that's my reading of it. I don't know. You know, maybe that's some people have other opinions. But Garcetti's just kind of sit back, and he's done the Great Streets thing, and he's, he's done a few projects in there. They're politically difficult, like, you know, Mike Bonin faced a recall for putting for taking out a lane on Venice for a stretch. And they reversed a bike lane on Culver heading to the beach. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's still political. It's st you still have to sell it to the voters because that's what the politicians are afraid of. So come up with a grand plan, sell it to the voters, and then you'll see some movement, I think. Um, it's just that part's the difficult part, right? Because could, there's a lot I of voices against it. The 2010 plan, how kind of, I, I've looked at it, how, how I, I wasn't there at the time, so maybe I, uh, you, you could kind of, like how excited did you get by that plan? Was that like a, f oh, finally we get something? Or was that like, yes, this is all that is possible? I think it was, uh, let's see. Let me think back. It, it it was sort of like there was a cynical view of it in a way. 
Like, we already had seen the politics kind of play out on certain projects. And, you know, it was like, it, it was a cultural change. I mean, the LEDOT is going through a cultural change, right? But there's still old school people in there. And um, what's the guy's name? John Fisher, who used to be the general manager, was old school. And, you know, it was just like, get these old guys out and there's new blood in the LADOT that's rising up and at the end of the day it still comes down to whether a council member or the mayor is going to face backlash for you know doing things and this town the people that really run this town are you know homeowners and and uh and business owners and uh they you know, they, they're loud. They're NIMBYs. Mm -hmm. They're loud. They're the ones like, they're the ones that are still going to be there four or five years later. And these council members, they kind of look at us as like, Oh, these bike advocates, they're like renters or something. And it's kind of true. It's like, you know, even with the Hyperion bridge, um, battle, which we were at for three years, it's like a couple of key members moved out and it's sort of, you know it didn't wither away it came to a final conclusion but people moved on and those the opposition is still there you know those those are the people that bought their home they're in it for a long time so the the council members are listening to them and in my opinion i think we need to work on a sales pitch to the homeowners and biz business owners too but businesses come and go as well i think i think council members listen a lot to they give a lot of weight to the homeowner vote unfortunately you know yeah so one of the things that we want to stress with sunset for all is that it isn't actually a road diet um, it requires no removal of uh, travel lanes or parking lanes um, there are very few parking spaces that need to be removed to be reconfigured for the protected lane on sunset under our suggested plan um, so we're how dare you really hopeful <laughs> that, uh, you know, this this is something that we can sell to the community and to, um, you know, the that we can get, uh, you know, community support behind it because it it basically is just moving the current bike lanes to one side of the road in between the curb and the parked cars. So it doesn't require that we, you know, remove uh, the street parking that's there or any of the travel lanes. Um, just, you know, it, when you turn into a a protected bike lane you do have to remove like maybe one car or something to protect the sight lines um, but that's very few overall in terms of the the whole scheme of the project yeah and um that's something we've been trying to uh sort of figure out try to get a sense for how do you truly gauge the community's uh stance um on on a project like this um how do you demonstrate community support to the politicians and uh, people who have influence over whether something gets done or not? Um, a couple of things we're, we're trying to do right now, um, we have a petition circulating. Um, we're going to civic events like uh, the farmer's markets that um, within the districts and neighborhoods that the project would pass through. Uh, we were at Ciclavia, um, what was that, Hollywood that it went yes, through and yeah. West Hollywood. Um, and then we also uh, have some ideas for um, engaging with businesses and trying to demonstrate their support um, and trying to get that to disseminate across uh, the business community um, throughout the area. And we're also, we want it to be more than just a bike lane. Like we'd really love it to be like a, 
you know, to maybe in the in the future of the project, you know, maybe have some public art, maybe, you know, some parklets to kind of really incorporate it into the character of the community that's there and to make it a real community asset, you know, beyond just being a lane for transportation. Um, in the long run, we'd love to make it into more of a, you know, a, a something that showcases the, the history of the community that, you know, can, can be a real, um, you know, selling point to the businesses that are there and to the people that live there, um, you know, something that makes the street look better, um, you know, just not, not just focusing on the, you know, purely, um, you know, transportation aspects of it, although certainly those are important, but uh, to, to, you know, make it something for everyone rather than, you know, sunset for all rather than just sunset for bicycle, bicyclists. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Um, do you guys kind of uh, talk to, let's say, uh, residents or businesses and say, hey, this can also be a solution for scooter uh, sidewalk riding? You know, if people have a safe place to ride their scooters, uh, they won't use the sidewalks. Uh, yeah, that's, that's There you go. Um, yeah, that's that's something we've tried to implement into the website, just mm. the vocabulary where we, we're using. Um, that's all inclusive of, of all types of uh, transportation modes that might be using uh, a space like this. Um, so yeah, that's definitely very important. Um, I can imagine, you know, it's it's lawfully like required that you on a scooter use the road. Mm -hmm. um, and I can imagine, you know, people who are in a car, you know, they, they might be sort of annoyed to see a scooter in front of them as they are with a bicyclist. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely important to get that across that this could also be you know helpful for that and it's you know sunset if if you ride there or have scooted there it doesn't feel safe in its current configuration and it certainly isn't safe in terms of what has happened there um, there have been uh, like over a thousand people injured or killed along uh, this part of sunset from basically silver lake down to echo park uh, in the last 10 years um, and so we really, you know, this is not just uh, something that we would like to have, but it's, it's something that we need in terms of safety. You know, it's, it's sunset is, is a dangerous place to be a cyclist or a pedestrian or, you know, even in your car. You're, um, you know, there's, a, there's a, due to the speeds and the way that the roads are configured, it's, it's just a dangerous place to travel in general. And so, um, you know, this, this is something that we, we really need and that, you know, honestly, the city is, is really, um, you know, duty bound to, to look at because, you know, the, the way the road is set up currently is dangerous for people and it's, it's hurting people. And so, you know, we all know, you know, in the group, we all know someone who's been hurt or who's been hit on their bike while they're riding down sunset. And so, it, you know, this is, uh, not just something that we would like to have, but this is something that we need, you know, for safety reasons. I also think, uh, there's a tendency, um, for people to suggest that, you know, why put this bike lane on a major road or uh, why not just use like this side street, you know? Um, I, I think that kind of highlights uh, their perception of, of bike lane as, as recreational. Um, you know, as a bicyclist, you know, I'm not biking, you know, for necessarily for exercise, like I'm trying to get somewhere. Um, so all the destinations that are on Sunset Boulevard, um, I wanna be able to access them, you know, safely, comfortably, um, and I'd like, you know, my neighbors, everyone in my community to, to have the same experience. Um, so I think it's important, you know, to change our roads uh, to, to support all forms of mobility. Because um, I think in, in, in our city, um, it's, everything's not only has been built, you know, for automobile transportation, but it's, it's been so ingrained that you're almost forced to drive, you know, to go somewhere. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so that's what this is really about, you know, changing that paradigm where uh, you, you can, you know, 
go like a few blocks, you know, half a mile using a bike and, you know, feel assured that you will get there, you know, yeah. safely. Now, a uh, question you, like for you guys, how have you communicated with the uh, with Mitchell Farrell, with the council member on this? Um, so I, I wish uh, one of our other members was here. He's he's in a lot more direct uh, contact with uh, Mitchell Farrell. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a meeting with uh, some of their staff uh, last month. Um, I don't have the details on what the conclusion was on that. Um, but I, I believe it was something, you know, about like, uh, you know, need more demonstration of community support. Uh, come back to us when you have, you know, a pretty substantial amount of petition signatures, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's really what we're focused on right now. Um, mm-hmm. Just demonstrating that community support, uh, getting the petition out there, um, talking to our community um, and, you know, just uh, disseminating uh, this idea. So people, you know, um, know that there's uh, a group that's fighting for it and whoever is interested in uh, seeing that happen can can support it. So uh, that's like in your backyard, Sunset Bike Lane. Sunset Bike Lane. Uh, yeah, my office is right off Sunset. Um, I've r- I ride Sunset a lot, or I have. And uh, my... my uh, my thoughts on Sunset were something a little less uh, radical, which so there's a couple things that that are are like sticking points for for me personally, but I wouldn't like go to town and try to defeat the movement or whatever. But it's like, you know, for example, if you're coming from, you know, the Thirsty Crow and you want to go to the Black Cat and you're riding a scooter you would need to cross Sunset Boulevard to get to this facility and then cross Sunset Boulevard again to get to the Black Cat. That's a tough... I don't think a lot of people are going to do that. Because if you mean if if both lanes are on one side of the street. Right, with both lanes being on one side of the street, you're now compelled to cross a five-lane, you know, pretty high-speed boulevard well, just to actually, get to this facility. Well, you know, you, you can ride in the street if you would prefer to. I don't think most people would, but, you know, you're, you, well, do, I, you I, do have the right to take the lane, so. Right, right. What, I mean, I enjoy using the – I mean, the bike lane's a little sketchy. you got to ride on the left line to stay out of the door zone. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's like, will you choose to cross the street a couple times? Is it safe to cross the street a couple times? It's safer than what's currently there which is a sub like a, a bike lane that's too narrow and it's in the door zone. Yeah, I I'm not sure I follow the the issue. So like both directions are on one side of the street. Right, right. I there's shops on both sides of the street that are destinations. Right. For example, the Thirsty Crow on the north side of Sunset heading to the Black Cat on the north side of Sunset. That trip would need to happen you know, t- for that trip to happen, you would have to cross Sunset Boulevard to mm-hmm. get to the two-way bike facility. And then once you get to the Black Cat, you're crossing Sunset Boulevard again. Will people do that or will they just stay in, 
you know, in the travel lane in the regular car. Why, why, okay. why not one on each side, I guess, is the well, question, there's, right? there's not yeah. enough space yeah, 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 yeah. protected um, on both sides. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is our um, idea. You know, it's not set in stone, obviously. You know, okay. if, if there's a better way or, or a better uh, if way that the city wants to do it, certainly whatever protected, you know, we really want the protected part. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if there's other uh, infrastructure ideas, you know, we're not we're not married to this okay. one plan. Yeah. Um, okay. We would know. propose a lot more if we thought it was politically feasible. Like we, we have like other, um, f- I guess, uh, what would you call it? Like um, configurations, you know, in mind that sure. would be much more radical than this. Uh, that's but one we, where you reduce a lane to get the protected. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we just don't see that as like politically anywhere now what about possible. what about have you guys been to Santa Monica and seen some of the uh, the buffered bike lanes out there? Like for example, on uh, I think it's Fourteenth Street. There's I think the, it's yeah it's it's like great what Santa Monica is doing. Santa yeah. Monica is um, doing a lot I of. I don't know yeah the the likelihood of that kind of thing happening around here right now. Well, I mean, I'm talking about like the lanes where it's they they basically move the lane away from the door zone and they they put a buffer between the parked cars and the lane and it's maybe like a foot or two it's still not completely out of the door zone but it's better than what we have on sunset which is like right in the door zone so you're saying um keep the bike lanes next to the travel lanes um and the parked cars next to the sidewalk but there's a buffer between the parked cars and the yeah, like, bike lane. It, like uh, I always wanted to do some, I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say this because I might still do it, but some guerrilla action where we paint the bike lanes a foot or two to the left. I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we had a whole scheme going with a bike trailer and a, I shouldn't talk about this. I think my, <laughs> but, my but, issue with but, that type of thing on Sunset is that yeah. The traffic is going so fast on Sunset. You know, cars are going 45, you know, 50 miles an hour, um, especially if you are not a, uh, you know, very like experienced skilled, cyclist. Yeah. It just, wh- wh- whether or not it's actually safe, it just does not feel safe to be right. biking right next to the traffic when, you know, there's a bus passing you at 50 miles an hour. Right. You know, it's just now, one of the techniques of engineering is when you narrow lanes, it, c- it actually causes drivers to slow down. So it was mm-hmm. sort of like... Why don't we narrow these? They're like I think they're like twelve or thirteen feet in a lot of places on Sunset. Narrow each side. There's there's five lanes. There's a middle turn lane. There's you know two lanes in each direction and a parking lane. There's actually like seven lanes. Yeah, you know, for all I know, that, that might actually be lanes. necessary um, in order to squeeze in both of these lanes. Yeah, like, I, th- I think you probably have to. You anyways. won't lose a travel lane, but they might be like slightly narrower. Yeah. Um, but I think the the protection, the the parking protection, is is a central part of this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me, you, like everyone here, like we might be very comfortable, or we 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 have the experience and uh, to be able to you know bike the roads as they are with just like a painted lane uh, designating our space on the road. Uh, but we we'd like to, you know other people like the you know moms and their families to to feel welcome to to use this road on sure. a bike. Um, so I, I we think the having the protected uh, parking protected uh, barrier um, does a lot to to sort of um, change how people f- I, I don't know feel feel on the road when they're not in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, one of the things I thought was really interesting when I was attending one of my first LA CBC meetings is that we were out in the room and introduced ourselves and said where our favorite bike lane was. And I think almost every woman in the room said the spring street bike lane, which is a 
byway yeah. uh, protected bike lane in downtown. And a lot of the men said, you know, these more like faster bike lanes where you can kind of, you know, get your uh, your spandex on. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that it's just such a key feeling of, of safety when you get even just that little bit of protection from the cars where you feel like, you know, I can ride slowly here. I can, you know, I can just kind of, you know, chill out and not be thinking about it all the time. You know, it's, it's a very different experience of riding. Um, you know, if, if you have ridden the Spring Street one, I mean, it's often blocked by trucks. That's a different issue. But um, if, if it's clear, it's just a very nice feeling to just be, you know, going down the street and you're not really worrying about anything. And, you know, I, that's so rare in L.A. And so, you know, it, it, we really want something that has that feeling so that, you know, it, it can be something that more people feel comfortable using. Yeah, absolutely. Have you have you guys had any experience uh, in riding in, uh, like, for example, the Netherlands? Oh, I would love, but no. <laughs> no, uh, I've never biked outside of the States. Mm-hmm. The uh, Maybe even Davis has these, but you can, like, what they do out there is just incredible. They, they put two-way cycle tracks on each side of the street in a lot of places. So you can do two-way traffic. You never have to cross the street to get to a destination. So the, the I think a lot of the complaints that come from cycling in the United States is that we do these projects that are compromises. Like right now we're worried about the political backlash of removing a lane so that we can create real protected bike lanes mm-hmm. on both sides of the street. So we have to do this compromise plan where we put both, you know, uh, two-way traffic on one side of the street and then it's like, yeah. It inconveniences a bunch of people who would normally not ride on that side of the street or they have to cross the street to get to it and they won't and that kind of thing. So it's it's sort of like this problem that we have in the United States where we still have a pol- like po- the politics are still not there yet. Like we should be able to ask for a lane reduction on so both sides of the street. That's what you want. I mean, I think I'm hopeful that this because this project is so central, like, you know, if, if you're going anywhere on the east side on a bike, you pretty much go through Sunset. It's, it's almost impossible to avoid it. And, or, well, northeast, sorry, sorry, not to get into that discussion. But, um, you know, I think hopefully this will this will really um, be kind of an eye-opener to people that this is what a bike lane can be because so many of the bike lanes in L.A. are just paint, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, I think most people just look at that and, like, I would never ride in that, you know, death sentence. And so... You know, hopefully this this project, even though it's it's you know just a few miles of one street, can kind of show people this is what's possible. And you know, you know, obviously this this would just be a starting point. We'd love to see more than this. We'd love to see this type of thing on on all the other streets around there. You know, but it's uh, you know, we, we gotta we gotta show people first. I think what what a bike lane can be. You know, outside of just people who have ridden downtown or in Santa Monica. Um, and you know, hopefully from there things will start kind of changing for people in the way that they view uh, a bike lane or a mobility lane. Yeah. And the, do, do you guys do any sort of like uh, ta- talking people's language? Like when people see a, a car lane taken away or parking spots taken away, uh, do you tell them, well, we're not actually, uh, I, w- I went to a Culver City um, uh, city council slash uh, bicycle um, kind of coalition meeting that happened like two days ago. It was like a jo- joint meeting. And one of the uh, folks there at the end of it said, um, you know, when we're t- we talk about building bike lanes, we often talk about taking car lanes away. He's like, no, no, no we're actually just switching modes. We're not taking anything away. We're switching <laughs> modes. 
And then, and then, yeah, and then on top of that, one of my favorite kind of stats is when you dedicate asphalt to the, the same amount of asphalt, like one car lane, that, that car lane can take maximum 2,000 people per hour uh, per lane. Uh, but the same amount of asphalt for bicycles, I believe it's something like 14,000, you can increase dramatically the bandwidth of, of that lane just by converting it to a bike lane. So when you talk to drivers and say, um, you can say, hey, we're ac you should want this because this is like upgrading from, uh, you know, cable, or, uh, sorry, uh, upgrading from DSL uh, to like uh, f uh, fiber optics. We're, we're upgrading <laughs> the bandwidth of your road. Um, so, you know, not everybody drives. A lot of people say, oh, driving, uh, sorry, not everybody bikes or, or scoots. And so you can say, hey, if you're a driver, you, you can drive, but this will reduce a lot of the traffic because we're adding a high capacity lane right next to you. And those folks scooting and biking are cars that are not in front of you. And th th it is taking a lot of a lot more capacity, and it will free up a, a lot of the road. Yeah. The the problem is is that the problem is is that right now cycling is what one percent or two percent mode share um, in Los Angeles. So that ends up not being really true. Where does that include scooter usage? Does that include? I don't know. I was talking. Actually, I talked to uh, my friend in the LADOT. He was telling me that scooter usage, because they monitor that now, uh, was something like a million trips a month, which is pretty amazing. It's impressive, yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's part of the problem. Like, what comes first? Do the people come first using that mode of transportation, or does the infrastructure come first? And I think if you look at history, it's the infrastructure. Yeah. Like before cars were the dominant mode, like, what were people on their horses and buggies? And you know, I think there was opposition to, to cars, you know, suddenly taking yeah. over the streets. Yeah. I think Sunset... Um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, um, I, I feel like um, maybe that's the only way we can we can change things if we suddenly get the political will and, uh, I don't know, just change the status quo with how um, streets are designed. Like, maybe, maybe it'll require, like, a, a um, sort of law that compels, you know, um, our politicians to include these things whenever streets are, are renovated or, you know, mm -hmm. or something like well, that. Well, there is a, comp I think it's a complete streets, there is a complete streets legislation. For Caltrans? For Caltrans, but I thought there was also one for just in general, but maybe it is just for Caltrans I've been reading about lately, but there was some other complete streets bill that um, was passed a few years ago. Do you, do you know anything about that, Nick? We used to talk about that. I can't remember. But again, it's like, it's not compulsory. It doesn't force cities to have to remake the streets. I think they just still have a choice. Or it's really weak language or something like that. So it comes back down to political will. And a lot of times <laughs> we're kind of falling back on this kind of old model for bike advocacy, like 1% of uh, people bike. Um, th like how th many people th want to bike? Exactly. That's yeah. the thing. Uh, so one of the things, you know, just three years ago, if you said, uh, t uh, hey, let's build bike lanes, c uh, city officials would say, uh, but nobody will get out of their cars. We will never get people out of their cars. Just a few months ago or a year or two ago, this was proved completely false by putting a scooter on the sidewalk and letting people unlock it with an app. And you got people... Uh, getting out of their cars and using these things. 
and uh, well, do we know that they get out of their cars, or is it just replacing a walking trip? It's it's a mix of everything. You know, there mm-hmm. there's there hasn't been I don't think there has been like deep uh, surveys or scientific studies yet because mm-hmm. this is very very new. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see scooters next to metro stations. You see, um, you know, people. Yeah, yeah, it's a great solve for first first mile, yeah, last mile. Yeah. It's just the Personally, problem of LA Transit. For me, I I um, messed up my knee in a, a soccer accident. And I could I could barely walk, um, and so I couldn't bike because I couldn't bend my knee. Um, and it, around that time, uh, scooters had just come to District One where I live, um, and you know, not surprisingly, um, Cedillo was trying to get them you know off the streets. Uh, but thankfully, that didn't that didn't happen. But anyway, I was instead of using my car, I was I was able to use these scooters to to go to my local cafe or go to the library. Um, when otherwise I would have been taking my car because like that was the only way for that distance. Right. Um, so that was a godsend. I, I saw, I had never been immobilized like that um, to, and it, it really sucks, but to have that service available to me, you know, just walk outside my house, you know, um, go around the corner and it's there and I can just ditch it, you know, when I no longer need it. Um, that yes, was Instead amazing. of dragging your car with you to the right. coffee shop, finally right. barking. That, that's um, actually... One of the one of the ways that I've kind of sold it to people is is, you know, um, the League of American Bicyclists came out with a study that showed that 50 percent of car trips are less than three miles. So, you know, while people will say, well, I commute 20, you know, 15 miles or 10 miles, I can't bike that. It's like, well, how you know, how far do you go to get to the, you know, the post office or the coffee shop or the movie theater? And it turns out a whole bunch of people are making those short trips and they're afraid to make those short trips on a bicycle or even a scooter because of car traffic. Yeah. Just there was a, okay, sorry. Oh, sorry. a quick pop of fact. Did you hear that LA has as many short trips as super bike friendly places like San Francisco? That's exactly what I was going to say. So I don't know if it was related to the same report. In, in, in Rick's, I believe, uh, came out with a study ranking LA nine, uh, ninth in a bunch of uh, cities that can take 50% of its car trips and replace them with micromobility because they're under three miles. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that's, and we think of LA as exactly like you said, 20 mile trips. Um, but uh, 50%, I believe 49, 50% of LA car trips are uh, are are under under three miles. Twenty percent of them were under one mile. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's crazy how much, and we we don't even have to stop there. This is just uh, micro mobility on its own, biking on its own. What if we added on to the possibility of hey, go one mile, half a mile to your local bus stop, then take public transit or take the metro. Right. I, I mean, we can theoretically increase or decrease uh, car, car driving by more than 50%. Um, this, this is crazy, and, and it, it has great, uh, you know, virtuous cycles because once you get people um, realizing this and uh, getting folks on scooters and saying, hey, th- there's no safe place to ride, let me ride in the bike lane, th- those are advocates that, you know, are, are now uh, part, of, part of your coalition um, to want to, to build something interesting, to want to build, uh, you know, not just paint on the, on the street, but a protected bike lane on sunset. Uh, Etc. It's also worth mentioning that, um, you know, if we had some sort of bike highway with limited stops, 15 miles on an electric bike is pretty easy. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah. True. It LA doesn't River. take that long. Yeah. LA River bike path. 
Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, I, I have an electric bike, and every time I Google uh, a trip, um, if it takes, if Google says it takes me 40 minutes, 50 minutes, mentally I do 60% of that, uh, uh, give or take, because that's how, and this is a 20 mile an hour bike, um, so th that's how m f uh, much quicker an electric bike is than a traditional bike. Um, and you, you arrive there le less sweaty, et cetera. You know, traditional bikes are great, electric bikes are great, but you know, for everyday use, if you need to go uh, to, to work every day, if you're a student, et cetera, and if you need to go get there a little faster, the, you know, when you look at Google and you say, oh, 50 minutes, that's, that's a long time. You know, on an e-bike, it's, it's, it's almost nothing. It's uh, you know, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, same as car traffic. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, the interesting thing about car traffic is the average speed is never more than 15 to 20 miles an hour average trip speed you can look it up on google you can set the time to 3 a.m and do an urban trip uh, across the street grid and you know most of the time you won't get past 20 25 miles an hour yeah perhaps. i can confirm my yeah. car's <laughs> average speed from the dashboard is like 15.3 miles per yeah, hour yeah 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 so that's one that's one of the arguments that i make to staunch you know car car advocates out there is like hey your average trip speed is still 15 miles an hour i can still compete with that on my bike you might get on the freeway but the freeway's you know that's a crapshoot sometimes it's jammed up and, yeah. you know, hopefully in the future we'll have bike freeways where we won't have to stop as much <laughs> either, which makes it so that a lot faster. And you don't have to waste as much of your energy, you know, starting up again from a dead stop, which is a lot of what makes cycling slower than it is. Yeah. We'd, have, we'd have to get that um, multi-billion dollar military money to uh, yeah, yeah, right. that's the so so bike highways. Or, yeah. So that's the thing. Why, why are we kind of talking about this as if some vague abstract future? Why can't that be well, today's bike plan? A bike, bike highways are a great idea, and the Netherlands has them. Yeah. They're great for connecting cities, but you need to be on the street to get to the shop. So even if you have a bike highway that gets you there, you still need to take the street mm -hmm. to get to the shop. Yeah. So in Los Angeles, we don't really have the space for bike highways. We, you know. Are we sure? Yes. <laughs> I uh, mean, so the so right of way, they can't even barely find the right of way to put a train, you know, or even bus rapid transit. It's Although what we do have is arterials like Sunset, which you can, you know, the, the stoplights are fairly f far and in between in certain parts of it so you can actually get going pretty fast on there if if, if you had a good place to ride so i wouldn't call that a bike highway though That's i mean like it's, it's not but no. you know no, like the la river bike path i consider that to be a true bike highway that of one that they have in the net i mean if you go to the netherlands there are literally a whole network of bike highways mm -hmm. around the entire country and uh, that would be amazing here because los angeles is I think the county is about the same size as the Netherlands, hmm. but uh, you know that's just that's multi billions of of project money. They're trying to do the they're trying to connect the LA River, and that's like a billion dollars right there. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's something that you do after you have like a established, very like robust uh, surface street like bike infrastructure. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to, to go off it's on like a tangent. It's like the chicken and egg thing. It's like you got to build the political will for well, it. And, yeah. and then, um, you know, like if we had something like the Green Wave, like in, you know, they do in Portland where all the lights are synced up. I mean, those little changes don't those require much, uh, so, you know, infrastructure level change once you have the bike lane. But they can really help speed up, uh, you know, how, how you can travel by bike if you just, you know, um, they have this cool little thing in the Netherlands where 
they have, I think they also call it the green wave or something similar, but as you're going along the bike lane, there's these little lights that line the path that like show green if you're going the speed where like you don't have to stop at the next light, but if you're going too slow, it'll like show you yellow and then you can kind of speed up and so that way you don't really ever have to stop at any of the lights. Right. That's awesome. They need that for cars too. <laughs> I mean, I drive, now that, now that, I mean, I, I drive, I drive, I do, and, you know. As do I. I drove yeah, here. Yes, and the thing is, is since I've become a bike advocate, uh, I drive completely different now. It's called hypermiling. You guys probably heard of that. It's where you, your goal is not to push on the gas too much and not to brake and come to a stop. Yeah. So you're timing the lights. Actually, do that too. Yeah, and I drive. I, l- I actually enjoy it because people behind me are losing their freaking minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they speed up to the light. That's they so stop, true. and then you just cruise by on the green because you've timed the light like a smart person. <laughs> everybody, I don't know what is going on with everybody, but the entire city just speeds up to red lights, and then they wait. Yeah. And their trip speed doesn't change. Yeah. Well, it doesn't cost you anything in a car. You know, on a bike, it's costing you your energy. Even on an electric bike, you know, you it's still It's tremendously have expensive so in a car. You're putting wear and tear but, like, on your engine and it your It doesn't feel like it. You it doesn't feel like it. In your body in a way that it does right, on a bike. Right. Yeah. yeah that, so I, I'm, I'm curious why you say, like, we don't have the space for it. Is it the space? Because, like, when I, when I look at the 405 and think of the 405 or think of sunsets, think of any street with uh, a lot of traffic on it. Do an x-ray, a mental x-ray. What do you see? You see a lot of space. It's like... Well, what I'm talking about, if you're you're talking about a true bicycle highway where you can achieve speeds of 20 to 25 miles an hour, you're not... It's just the same with a freeway. You can't have intersections and pedestrians crossing and so forth. Like, you know, like uh, Sunset, that two-way bike lane... There's going to be a lot of pedestrian traffic on there. There's going to be a lot of people that are riding on the wrong side of the road. You're not going to get very fast on that road. Why does it have to be one or the other? So, like, when uh, going back to cars, they, they didn't think, okay, should we do roads or should we do highways? Uh, they said it's both. We're going to take over the city streets, we're going to put in lights, and we're going to have highways. And highways are not going to – they're going to go over streets. You're not going to stop ever, which was a total lie because, you know, soon induced tra- – in, 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 induced well, demand yeah Yeah, exactly um so so we have this model is that is the car and it's supposed to get us uh quickly and conveniently places and that has been a total lie um they're 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 (laughs) slow it became a failure it became everybody's driving everywhere for everything exactly and it's expensive it's uh exclusive you know if you can't afford a car too bad um if you if you have a disability too bad um, so then we have a system that is totally infil- infiltrated and has, you know, highways, roads ev- everywhere. And now as, as bike advocates and now with scooters and, uh, you know, electric unicycles and uh, bike car hybrids and this kind of explosion of micromobility, we're still in this, oh, we don't have the road space. Uh, you know, it's it's not, I'm not saying that we don't have the road space. I'm saying that you still have intersections so i guess i'm getting hung up on the term highway yeah what if we do elevated what if we have (laughs) billions of dollars in earthquakes like it's an elevated takes you away from your destination it makes it actually harder for a cyclist to get to their destination a bike is truly a really a three to five mile vehicle you know Uh, i mean we just talked about how easy it was for a 15 to 20 minute uh, journey uh on an electric Right, but 
if you if you if you really I mean you still need to get from your home your apartment to your destination mm -hmm. um, if you if you're gonna take your bike 15 miles you know if you're gonna build a network of elevated uh, cycleways you got to get onto the cycleway you mm -hmm. got to get off of the cycleway it's it's not what that mode of transportation really was made for that, again, that mode I, is is you're a pedestrian that's now on wheels it's not like a car going on a highway can go a hundred miles mm -hmm. in an hour or you know an hour and a half um that makes sense you're not even if you had a full-on highway you're not going to go a hundred miles in an hour and a half on a bike no but you don't need to you can go you know a comfortable 2025 and you get to your destination the same which which makes it a local device yeah my question is, why even think about bike highways, which is what I was getting at earlier, when we don't even have the robust bicycle infrastructure to to bring people out on bikes? Yeah. Like, it, it seems like something you would do once you have like a, um, a substantial population like using bike lanes, you know, just to interconnect, the, you know, the, the cities. Yeah, and one of the things about the Sunset bike lane is that it does connect to the red line, which is a really crucial connection. I mean, in terms of these, you know, we're talking about distances. Um, a bike or a scooter is a really great way to connect to transit that can, can get you those distances fast. You know, a, a train obviously is always going to be able to go faster than a bike over long yeah. distances. Um, so, you know, th those are the type of connections, too, that I think, um, you know, something like this and, and projects all across L.A. where we're just getting in more protected infrastructure, um, you know, once you do start biking a lot, like since I got an electric bike, I realized, you know, how much I'm using it way more than I used to with my manual bike. And just the the way that you can start connecting all of your journeys when you don't necessarily have to worry about getting sweaty or climbing a hill or anything, which, you know, I'm, I don't like doing those things. <laughs> yeah. And that's and, another thing. Like why the city is building, you know, all this uh, infrastructure underground, the light rail above ground um, and, and not really putting enough emphasis into uh, connectivity um, between neighborhoods, between um, like uh, business districts, to that, to the, to the, to those new services. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you're, you're not gonna take your car and, and park at Vermont and Sunset. You know, I don't even think there's parking, like dedicated parking for that station. Um, so yeah, the the city really needs to like think more about like how do we get people uh, to to use these stations and, and not have to drive to get to them. They're yeah, definitely they're definitely thinking about it. It's called first mile, last mile. It's a problem. They're and thinking about it, but they're not really acting they're, very. They're doing quickly. some things like Metro's introducing a, uh, I think it's called LA Now. They're piloting it over in Mike Bonin's district where you it's basically like Uber but for a bus, like a small bus. Right, right. I'm familiar. Yeah, and and it's. You know, Metro's losing ridership to Uber and 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 Lyft um, because they haven't connected up with their buses. But it's also like their bus service sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, you're sitting. I mean, I I can't remember how many times I've sat on Hollywood Boulevard of all streets at like you know bar time hour, and I'm like, I'm gonna take the bus to go to Harvard and Stone. <laughs> Why am I driving to Harvard and Stone? Yeah. And it's like a three-mile trip, and I'm like, let's try the bus. F you know, half-hour wait for a bus on Hollywood Boulevard at 10.30 at night. It's just like it's everything but that I hated about taking the bus. I think that gets kid. to a larger point, though. Um, like uh, 
you, the city is not willing to make the sacrifices or compromises that it needs to make in order to make these services more useful than they are. You know, uh, when it comes to like bus only lanes um, or, or bike lanes that connect the train, um, there's just not enough willpower to, to put these changes in place. Um, so these services, people actually want to use these services that we have. They have to be sold to the voter. In fact, just this August, there was an election in CD12 between Lorraine Lundquist and John Lee. And uh, there's, a, there's a car advocate out there. His name's Jay Bieber. And he's, I got to hand it to him, he, he knows how to whip people up. And he whipped people up about the bus rapid transit project that Metro's trying to get done, you know, in the valley and through Colorado Boulevard and connected up to Pasadena. It would be a great project because it would dedicate a bus lane network um, across L.A. And this guy used that as... Um, you know, as as a as a talking point to get people to rile people up against Lorraine Lundquist because she had expressed some support for it. You still have that problem of political support. How do you sell this to the voters, the actual voters that show up, which are older folks, homeowners, business owners, you know, young people and renters tend not to vote. That's a but big I mean, problem. didn't didn't Measure M pass with you know what was it seventy percent of the vote? And, yeah, it did. And I mean, that's a very like wide-reaching uh, sort of uh, measure. But, but it's 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 all based on one idea that that Metro should be empowered to to give us more options to speed up traffic, uh, to make our streets more more livable, uh, and, and yeah. make mobility easier in the city. And you know, I, I think that is. Uh, that that in itself is the voters saying, "Hey, like Metro, we want you to figure out. You're the experts on this. You 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 spend you know your working hours thinking of ways to to do these things. Figure out the best way to do this. You know. Um, so well, me- Measure M was amazing. I was actually shocked that it passed. It took a couple tries because they had Measure J, mm-hmm. and that failed. And then Measure M passed. And it is. It's Los Angeles saying we're sick and tired. I mean, it. They timed it right. I think it was at a pre- during a presidential election. So a lot of uh, progressive-minded people came out. True. I think one of the things, too, about the Sunset Project is that Northeast L.A., you don't have to retrofit it. it w- it's a neighborhood that's you know very old. It, it was built essentially before the car was really dominant in L.A., which I think is a difference between uh, that district and you know the, the Valley and a lot of other places that were more car-centric just from their founding. And so you know, I think the, c- the kind of people that, especially the younger people that are moving into Northeast L.A., which is, you know, uh, well, Los, Los Feliz, Silver Lake, Echo Park. That's, that's not actually Northeast L.A. That's actually... Well, what are we calling yeah. it? Well, Northeast L.A. is like Highland Park. That's CD1. So just okay. just <laughs> FYI. But to d- not to take away from your point. But but, uh, but yeah, so the the kind of younger people that are moving in there, I think, are, are the kind of people who, who like the neighborhood's walkability and its density and the fact that it's close to you know, the, these type of places that you can get without driving. And so I think there's a real opportunity there with, with the type of um, the people that live there who, you know, they, they've, they chose that neighborhood for a reason. Um, and, you know, it's it's because it isn't such a suburban place that it is very, you know, it does feel like, a, you know, a part of the city. Um, and, you know, it's it's got, you know, you're close to shops, you're close to, you know, your destinations. It's It's got a more dense feel. And so I think it's a, it's a neighborhood that, 
we could really reach a lot of people, I think, in terms of, you know, this is why you moved here. This is this is the kind of place that you want to live is a place where you can bike to this coffee shop. You can walk out of your door and be at the grocery store. And, you know, it's, it, you don't necessarily want to have to drive everywhere. Yeah, I, I think you guys have a, a great shot um, because, I mean, that is ground zero for the bike movement in Los Angeles is Echo Park. So, you know, I think there's a great shot to get that project through. Um, it's the particular design of the project might be difficult, but, um, I think you get a lot of support for it. Mitchell Farrell is, he's semi bike friendly, but he's definitely blocked things that, um, were a lot less controversial. So, you know, I, I'm curious to hear more about the plan of how you'll get political support for it. And I have a question. We're talking, this is Nick again. We're talking about, uh, selling to the voters and are people going to vote on this or how does this get passed or done? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to figure out too. Like, you know, how to navigate this labyrinth of, of, well, it's not, it's not that people vote on it. Yeah. It's people vote for council member Mitchell Farrell. And if Mitchell Farrell does something like Mike Bonin, Mike Bonin didn't go get a vote to do the Venice road diet. He did some outreach. He talked to some of the business owners. He, he, talk to people but he just went for it it was a great streets project that garcetti wanted to do also so garcetti um gave political support to the you know the ladot and they just did it and the backlash came and there was a recall effort and you had john and ken broadcasting against it so there was a lot of momentum behind that recall so it was scary it's it what's that John and Ken are these two shock jock idiots. I've been on their show a couple of times. They suck. But <laughs> they they uh, they got behind it, you know, and so the recall was scary and it kind of sent chills throughout the whole council um, the the you know, all the the, the the all of the board members of the count the the council uh, what can I think of it? The city council um, definitely saw that and saw how much backlash there was. You can get fried by people like John and Ken who broadcast this all across the Southland. So John has had has been burned before. So <laughs> just yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we've also had victories. Okay, so yes. No, but that's the thing. Um, you know, if your council member doesn't support what you're trying to do, suddenly you have this huge burden of you know gathering petitions you know demonstrating community support whatever that means um which is something i think they should be doing they should be really like gauging you know where the community stands on something but um it's not really clear like uh right how you i don't know um here's what that's represent the community i mean here's what i would do you get the petition signatures you got to go house to house and start with people that live right near sunset right so uh i think starting october uh we plan to do like a, a big petition drive just hit the streets go house to house go to businesses and uh just talk to people about it get the word out and you know try to get them to sign on yeah and um, i'll tell you i'll tell you that random signatures captured on ciclovia mean almost nothing the council office needs to see people that they know you know, right. that are in the district um, that are signing this. And it has to be very clear what they're signing. I've, I've yeah. gone through this whole process with Mitchell. Right, Farrell. right. And that's literally what they told us um, at the meeting. You know, uh, 
don't give us an online petition, you right. know, change.org. We, we want a physical petition um, with zip codes. Yes. You know, we, we, wanna, we want you to show us that this is our people. Um, yes. So that's what we plan to do. Yeah. I want to say to Taranik, um, you know, I, we're talking about wanting a network of connected, protected bike lanes. I, maybe there are people in other neighborhoods also fighting for protected bike lanes, and we could start with a network of protected bike lane advocates. Yeah, um, that, I mean, kind of sitting here, it's on one hand, like what you guys are doing is amazing. Um, and then and then on the, on the other, talking about, it's almost like they're setting up you guys up for failure or they're setting, they're putting so much weight on this that this is like becomes a full-time job. And th th they have almost no, um, like if you guys have a ton of support Okay, then then they'll they'll grant you this uh, this one bike lane, um, but but maybe 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 yeah. exactly. Um, but in then, a few years, yeah, and then uh, but then this is kind of replicated across LA and across cities in America, where um, you know you you s you ha you're in one neighborhood, you know the few streets that need bike lanes in your neighborhood, and you fight for those. And again, we come back to this twig model of I'm 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 fighting for my my backyard's bike lane, and the the you know the neighborhood across the street is doing the same thing. We don't talk to each other. Uh, but see, that's that's the game of politics in the United States, and that's what people don't realize: conquer and uh, divide and conquer. Yeah. No, it's no? okay. So <laughs> we well, we have a democracy. Voters votes matter, right? But when you hear about all this big money that's going into a campaign and this and that. It's not that the money's going to the politician. He's like, oh, I have all this money. Yes, I'm voting for this. It's the money goes into people on the ground gathering political support and, and doing the petitions and doing the getting the neighborhood council. Like when I was on a neighborhood council, uh, you know, what was it? Buffalo Wild Wings sent a lobbyist to our to our plum committee to razzle dazzle us about this uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And it was like. That's where the money goes. The money goes into people like that. And we don't have that much money. We don't have any money. We have burritos or something. And, and <laughs> so that's the problem is you got to assemble, you know, when the Hyperion Bridge thing happened, we assembled like 50 to 100 vo people volunteering, going block to block, getting signatures. Yeah. We generated probably 500 signatures out of the neighborhood because it's, you know, it's just a lot of footwork. It took a couple of months. Yeah. We got 100 business letters, yeah. wow. you know, and that just getting to the business owner is such a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. You know, I and that's, that's where the money goes. The money right. goes into people just doing all the footwork. So I guess, I guess my, my thought, thought isn't uh, don't do this and do something else instead. It's like uh, the, the advocacy that is being done for sunset um, can that be multiplied the uh, the legwork needs to be done but can that be multiplied can we let's say go to bird and ask them hey um, can you give us an email list of, of folks that use your uh, your scooters mm. in your in, uh, around sunset we want we want to build this awesome bike lane and by the way can you give us emails of uh, a neighborhood here and a neighborhood there and to tell them that we want to connect these two neighborhoods can we uh, um, I, I don't know, kind of 
uh, going along uh, what you said, kind of th this network idea. It's 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 not just a bike lane here. It's uh, you know it's a network of bike lanes. It's something yeah. that's great. That's I probably a privacy concern, but yeah, they won't um, give you the email. In terms of you know, <laughs> we we do we are uh, connected with you know groups like Atwater Safe Street, Atwater Village Safe Streets, and um, you know Keep Rowena Safe. You know we do want to work with these other groups and. Um, you know their their goals uh, are slightly different from ours, and they're you know they're they're more focused on um, you know some speed calming and other message. But you know those are uh, you know things that we're allied with, and and so you know we're definitely there to support those type of groups and and other neighborhood groups. Um, you know I, I think in terms of uh, you know engaging businesses like like uh, Lime and and these type of scooter companies. It's good, but it's also, you know, that's that's one interest. And so I think we have to kind of focus on the community as a whole rather right. than these kind of. Yeah, well, we want the community you, first. Okay, okay. Let's expand on that. Like, what does that mean? So. The yeah. people who live there. Okay. That takes footwork. So right. do you have enough people to generate the kind of footwork that would build political support? in that community and in Los Angeles in general. Well, we're trying. And if you would like to go to Sunset for <laughs> All and sign up for our mailing list, you can help us. And that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I would I would suggest, I mean, I don't know. Like You have a lot of experience on this. So. I, I do, yeah. and I don't want to be a downer. No, no, no. I want no, no, to be an upper. So. We've been let down a lot, and yeah, it's it's it's, it's backbreaking. Yeah, it's no, it's it's very insightful because you you learn from the experience and you you know like what not to do. I think if I was in charge of some kind of like org or whatever, I would go straight to Bird Lime and uh, w these companies and present yeah. this picture that you're talking about and um, say, hey we want to do a campaign where we really start selling Los Angeles yeah. on scooter and uh, it's going to take a lot of money. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of money. I think it's a good idea. And um, I think we should definitely try and uh, take full advantage of any sort of outreach we can do to the scooter companies. Yeah. Um, but I think we, we, uh, we want to get our like uh, ground game fleshed out, you know, from a very organic, like community level first and then, you know, expand but from there. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? No, it's yeah. like, to get to the community and sell the community, you need people. And to be honest, we don't have enough people in the bike movement. Mm -hmm. So you got to get the allies. And yeah. it's it's those people that you, like, it's like lobbyists. It's like, it's sad, but that's our political situation. And we need money. I don't know. We need money to get the lobbyists on board and start really generating but aren't aren't you a bernie supporter and isn't this big thing am. about having like small donations it yes i, I completely it. agree with you but that's politics you know we have our ideals and i'm a i'm a bernie supporter blah 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 Did I <laughs> no it's okay i'm full-on bernie supporter but and i'm sick of money in politics but transportation is different you can't just go like democrats hate bikes you know, it's not a partisan issue. Yeah. You, you'll find Democrats are like, oh, I hate you bike people. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, don't you? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know. They so go, like going into the psychology But you'll of find that. Republican allies, too. Right. You know? But, like, so going into the psychology of that, why, why do they hate bike lanes? Culturally, okay, here's another thing that people don't know about me. I used to work for Nissan North America 
on the I was their art director for the website and in Infinity Motors. They spent one billion dollars a year on advertising. Wow. And that's Nissan, and they were a small company <sighs> compared to other. I actually looked into it a little more just recently. So much money. Fourteen billion dollars in the education advertise. It's you just call it education. You know, no matter where you go, there's a car ad. Yeah. And they've been doing this for decades. And so it works. So and when it works, it does work. Yeah. And that's what we're up against. So that kind of cultural, like wall, is so sitting there. What yeah. is the equal and opposite force to that? Uh, what, like righteousness, you know, <laughs> no righteousness. Like it's a civil rights issue. I should be able to get from one place to the other safely and conveniently, without having to buy a car. You know, that's a classism issue. That's a civil rights issue. That's a mobility for uh, people that can't afford or can't even drive a car. You know, that all of those things are in there. You, ha- we do have righteousness on our side, which is a big force. Mm-hmm. But we're up against fourteen billion dollars in marketing every year, and you know that's it's it's staggering in some ways. But there, you know, there's hope. I'm not trying to be do you a downer. Do you have contacts at, at Bird or Lime that maybe we could reach out to? I uh, do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we could talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I think for for a, a local project though local businesses still do have a lot of sway in terms of the local politics and so i Absolutely. think you know even though they may not have as much money as these big national corporations i think if you can if you can get them on your side it's still um you know that that does speak to the council members oh if you uh, you can do it with one person if you spent a year one person working 80 hours a week walking the every single street and selling it to every single person, getting a petition signature, and you built up that support, the council member will, you know, will listen. That's the kind of support he wants, you know. It's just people have lives, people have jobs, you know. It's like getting that kind of support costs somebody time or somebody money, Yeah. you know. I have a... Well, and I, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I think the righteousness that you mentioned... Um, you know, especially with all this kind of focus on uh, climate change and traffic. And, you know, I think I think it is changing a little bit in the culture. I think more, you know, left-leaning people do want to be seen as friendly to bikes and other modes of transportation besides cars. Um, now, whether that translates in reality to them being supportive of these type of projects, you know, we all know the person who's like, oh, I like bikes, but not here. You know? Right, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's changing a little bit and, and – you know, hopefully with uh, projects that aren't, uh, you know, asking a whole lot of, of sacrifices in terms of the street design, you know, we can make some, some adjustments there. And, and you know, once, uh, you know, ho- hopefully hopefully things are moving forward. I mean, I, I think I'm optimistic. I know that we are up against a lot, but I also think, like, the way people think about transportation, even in the last few years, um, especially with climate change, you know, so many more people are really thinking about their lifestyle choices in that and you know wanting to do more and so i think there's 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 a real shift in people's desire to change the way that they're living their lives you know in terms of how much they're consuming in energy and so while you still have those people who are are very backlashy and you know like i'm never getting out of my car you know you do have a lot (laughs) of more people who you know feel guilty for all the car trips they're taking and all the uber trips they're taking and so you know they they i think there's a desire to to try something else and you know hopefully we can kind of 
you know, grab onto that and say, hey, you know, you too can ride a bike or a scooter because this protected lane is there for you. You know, you don't have to be an expert cyclist to use it. Yeah, and the other, you know, the unfortunate, it's it's a good thing, but the unfortunate thing is that people are saying, well, I drive an electric, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And that's still a piece of traffic and it's still a threat to active transportation and and it still pollutes yeah. yeah and it still pollutes the the, the manufacturing cost of a electric vehicle etc etc also all the brake dust and other like particulates generated yeah. i get a lot of that oh, where i live yeah. yeah yeah that's 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 one of the things that electric cars have i think have been such an excuse for people who yeah uh, it's like hybrids yeah yeah it's like uh and i think not not in a in, not in a um uh, not in a way where uh, they're they're what's the word I'm looking for? The, it's 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 if the people feel like they are genuinely doing something good uh, yeah, when, they, when they buy an EV and they're um, sympathetic yeah. to the cause yeah. of micro mobility and cycling and public transportation. But our development pattern in Los Angeles has been horrendous yeah. since the fifties. Unsustainable, right? And so that just you like have to drive perpetuates in some that. in, in yeah. a lot of areas of Los Angeles you have to yeah. drive and there's just almost no way of getting around that yeah. without doing a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, it's no, funny people how people don't want to do that. Anything that's on a car is micro mobility. Like that's the <laughs> scale that we think on, you know. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I had a, a a quick thought on the the, the local first. Um, so I'm I'm part of the Culver City Art Walk and Roll. Um, I organize the um, mobility uh, component of that. It's a big uh, art fair and also a mobility kind of showcase. It's uh, in October 12th. Um, but uh, th- some of the folks there were talking about. Uh, Washington Boulevard and Venice Boulevard, and they were talking about how I believe the number was uh, 70% of traffic on Washington Boulevard is actually cut through traffic, and Washington Boulevard has a lot of businesses. Um, that they, you know, it could it can potentially be a really beautiful, uh, you know, walkable, bikeable uh, street, but there's so much cut through traffic, and uh, when one of the ways perhaps that uh, residents and uh, businesses could be persuaded is like, hey, you see all the 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 traffic here. It's not local people. It's it's people using your street as a freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so the, the, there's thoughts of like, hey, there's Venice Boulevard. It has three lanes of traffic, um, but Washington is being used as a cut through. Like, what, you know, p- people are doing ways, etc. So that's another thing, perhaps that you know, locals could be persuaded by is to say, hey, um, if we kind of um, I- increase bike capacity here and slightly decrease the number of cars, maybe we'll get decreased traffic because people won't want to use it as a cut through street, um, and you know, the air will be healthier, uh, the the neighborhood we will be more vibrant yeah, yeah i've definitely actually won some a road diet battle with that argument oh nice yeah out in uh northridge congrats yeah i mean <laughs> you know that that project for me was a big learning experience i went house to house that was the first time i went house to house and i started talking to homeowners and is this in suburbia they and i realized like none of these people give a crap about bikes right. but you can sell them on the middle turn lane. You can sell them on that the bike lane is a buffer zone between you and traffic when you're taking your trash out. You can sell them on like there's less cut through traffic. Those things, you got to think about who you're talking mm-hmm. to and pitch it to them in terms of their own self-interest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. If you're not talking about bikes, who cares? You know, just you can still sell it. Right. And that's a that's actually uh, part of the reason why I'm so uh interested in in having this project uh sort of 
materialize. Um, I think Sunset Boulevard is a you know vibrant street, lots of businesses, lots of activity, but you have what's what's basically a highway cutting through all of it. Um, so uh, I, I think to to I mean it, it's it's a small change, but just to have like a you know space for bicyclists, um, maybe maybe it would change the dynamic of the street. You know. Um, having having a protected mobility lane uh, to where uh, the street would become more vibrant. It would be more comfortable for pedestrians to, to um, use the amenities on the street. Um, I think, yeah, vibrancy is, is a huge part of, uh, you know, Sunset for All as well. Yeah. Um, but just to make it super clear when, you know, when I kind of, I'm slightly pushing back on the local idea. It's not like let's not do sunset. I, I just want to make that super clear. It's like mm-hmm. uh, let's do sunset and let's do let's do that sure. and let's make it more awesome. Like one of the things I was thinking about was when you said um, we have uh, grander visions for a sunset. Well, like in a negotiation, sometimes you you just present the other side with the craziest idea, and then when you you kind of bring it back, and when you bring it back, it's it's. You get much more than you had bargained for. Yeah, um, I, I don't think, think we're looking at, at this as a, a negotiation. Okay, because right, sure. What you know, we don't really have a. I feel like when it, if, to look at it as a negotiation, you have to kind of be like a, a even, even level. Okay, okay. Whereas we're, we're not, not even at the <laughs> conversation it. table. You know, got it. Um, they can just say no. Yeah, got, <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay, point taken. Um, so we're we're very afraid of um, you know just being written off as a bunch of psychopaths who are like very passionate about this idea you, you guys uh, these are these are people who are actually doing stuff just because they they you want to you're you're not being paid to do this right no no no, not at all so um, i bike down sunset every day i live off of it i use it to go to you know the coffee shop i used to go to the grocery store you know this is this is my life this, yeah you know this bike lane that really sucks that's right there right now you know i want it i want it better a lot of us just have experiences whether it's from living in different cities or being hit you know in los angeles uh that have brought us together to collectively try and navigate the process for making something like this happen and so who who else is it uh, so uh, Terrence Houston, um, he runs a blog uh, called LA Bike Dad. Uh, he lives in the Silver Lake area. Um, he f- posts a lot about bicycling with his family, his two young kids, um, and uh, he's been very passionate about this uh, f- way before I got involved. Um, we have another um, f- organizer named Avital. Um, she was hit on Sunset uh, while biking towards downtown in the Silver Lake area. If you know where that Jiffy Lube is, that was where she was hit. Um, thankfully, you know, she didn't sustain any, you know, major injuries, um, but that got her involved. Um, there's another guy named Neil. Um, he's very passionate. Um, there's quite a few people. Um, and We're then there's... All, yeah, we just yeah. all are people who live in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, we got together uh, as part of the LACBC and kind of made this own group, offshoot group, because we were really passionate about this one project, basically. What's going on with LACBC? Not to totally change the subject, but are they? Did they figure everything out? Are they still going to go on? Or uh, that's a good question. Um, we kind of uh, we we had an organizer who was uh, hired on by LACBC, and she went off to grad school around that time where these funding difficulties uh, came to light, um, and so that's around the time when Sunset for All kind of formed as this autonomous group. Uh, so we're not like well connected with what's going on now but we we do still communicate with um i think eli uh-huh. who's the current director and they're very supportive of us you know? yeah they're so very they're, supportive they're, they're still going they are yeah okay. but i think it's it's maybe like maybe stripped back a little bit 
while they figure out the finances, figure out the direction. Yeah, they um, had like a major meltdown at some point. Yeah. yeah. We, we Is it. Colin still at least working yep. there? Okay. Cool. No, I just was curious. Well, um, so if somebody were to want to get involved, it would probably be somebody who lives in the in your area. Um, that would be great, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, um, L.A. is, you know, Sunset connects to other streets that LA connect to the rest of to L.A. Of sure. So, um, yeah, if, if you are interested in this project, you know, interested in seeing it uh, materialize, um, I recommend you go to sunsetforall.com. That's number four, uh, all.com, and sign up for the mailing list or uh, click the um, email address contact link at the bottom of the page. Uh, make at sunsetforall.com and just send an email saying, you know, stating your interest and we'll, we'll get back in touch. And it's sunset number four all, right? Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. But said it very in a convoluted way. <laughs> and then can I plug in my... Uh, yeah. uh, so yes. um, uh, Have A Go is uh, kind of the startup that uh, I have is... It's kind of like a micromobility discovery site. So uh, if you want an electric unicycle to electric bikes, electric scooters, uh, if you want to find something that is appropriate for your own um, needs, uh, it's haveago.city is the website. And I also blog on there uh, kind of the the things I was thinking about um, I was actually writing today. So I'll publish that in a blog post in a few days. So you mentioned electric unicycles twice at first i thought okay he said that <laughs> accidentally but is there really a, a freaking yeah yeah, yeah. U- it's electric unicycle that sounds so th- there are no pa- there's no cycling it's a little it's like a platform uh, thing it's it's kind of like half a segue um it's like if you cut a segue in half and there's one wheel and you have um, oh it's those big fat yes. wheel boards i that's ate it so hard on this. so that's that's another thing it's oh, called okay. a one wheel um okay. it's a board with a big fat tire in it this yeah. one is uh so that one you go um you're you're sideways this one you go uh straight <laughs> and you uh, sit yeah, on yeah, opposite yeah, yeah, sides yeah, of those, one yeah. wheel and yes. yeah it's it's one of the things uh i actually <laughs> ride around on wow um, it's they're fun. super cool yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's self-balancing re- yes but yeah. it detects like your movements based upon like your posture kind of yeah yeah it kind of when you lean forward it, it goes front and right, right. if you lean back it's okay, uh, yeah, yeah i have seen those yeah. okay i'm thinking <laughs> it's really thinking. convenient because um when you go on the bus or the subway you can put it under your seat and yeah. it's, it's like really compact so sometimes i like taking that instead of my electric bike because it takes up so little space sure yeah all right so we got that sunset for all and have a go That's sunset a. for all sunset for all dot com correct yes. and have a go dot city yeah all right thank you guys Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Cue the bike music. Don't play. What? Don't play Queen, please. Oh. Don't play that song. I hate that song. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't hate that song, but I hate that song. I want to ride. What was that one? (laughs) The bikes. No, no, no. The one with the guy with the middle fingers. I'm on a bike, bitch, or something like that. What is it? Uh, Riding my bike. Something quick. Oh, how about riding my bike? All right, put we it, screwed that one up. No, we got it. <laughs> I went riding on my bike. We spent up, come back and front light. We spent up, come back and front light. That's all I need to ride in. That's all you need to ride in. A marathon I'm entering. A marathon is entering. I'm raising for a charity. Sponsors come. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 